Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Today we're going to be talking about the Vedic teachings about the four stages of life, and in particular, how our later years can be the most vital, powerful time of our lives. I'm joined today by the founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is a Western woman who teaches the riches of Indian philosophy in a fully accessible and inspiring way for newcomers and longtime practitioners alike. Ordained by Roya Jean Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, she has been teaching Kriya Yoga philosophy and practice and leading meditation retreats for more than four decades. On her author website, ellengraceobryan.com, she offers many online learning programs. You will also find many inspirational blog posts and other resources for your study. Yogacharya O'Brien is an author and poet and has published several books, including Living the Eternal Way, Spiritual Meaning and Practice in Daily Life, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga, and her latest book of poetry, The Moon Reminded Me. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien, her many online classes, books, and videos, again, at her websites, ellengraceobryan.com, and O'Brien is with an A, O-B-R-I-A-N.com, and at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, csecenter.org. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm really delighted you could join me today on the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. It's always a pleasure to be in conversation with you and uh, to connect to our subscribers and listeners of Yoga Hour. Before we dive into our dialogue about living our life to the fullest in the later stages of life, let's begin with a moment of contemplation. Oh. Let's begin by turning our attention to our body, feeling our body in space, whatever we're doing, whether we're sitting or standing, walking, driving, just feeling our body. And in particular, paying attention to the surfaces that are supporting our weight. And then turning our attention to the breath, just noticing as we take a fully conscious breath, the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling the warm air flowing out. As we rest here, right where we are, Here's something to contemplate, a teaching from Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda and Yogacharya O'Brien's guru. 
Replace negative attitudes and self-defeating behaviors with positive mental attitudes and constructive behaviors. Be the person you want to and can be. Actualize the abilities that will enable you to more easily accomplish purposes of real value. Enlarge your capacities to accommodate your heart's desire. Once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. As I already mentioned, today we're talking about the Vedic teachings about the four stages of life. And in particular, we're going to be focusing on living life to the fullest in the third stage of life. You will be offering a retreat on this topic on October 6th through October 8th, 2022. Before we talk about the third stage of life, let's just back up and talk about the four stages of life in general. What are these four stages of life and where do these teachings come from? The four stages of life uh, come from living. <laughs> 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 I come from living and um, the um, construction of them in particular as a spiritual um, way of life, um, of course, comes from Vedic teachings. And um, but I think even there, of course, they evolved from the observation of life and the central questions that we find in Vedic literature and uh, in, in Hindu life, which is, you know, how do you live a dharmic life? You know, how does dharma living with higher purpose, leading a life um, of spiritual awareness uh, in harmony with um, divine will or life's purpose and uh, contributing to others all the while by finding freedom and liberation, you know, from forms of bondage. So how do we do that? You know, how do we live that? And um, so it, it seems to me that the, the system of these four goals kind of became uh, identified in light of dharma in like how do we how do we live dharmically and these four modes um, which are those you know referred to in english as the student stage of life the householder stage of life um, the hermitage stage or retirement stage and the um stage of renunciation or uh our complete freedom. Um, those stages of life, you know, when we think about are, are really related to archetypes within us all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is always the student within, um, there is the father, mother, <clears throat> family figure within us. Um, there is the hermit, you know, and the desire that we feel, you know, from time to time to have that 
life. And there is the, the wanderer, the, the, the renunciate, you know, living freely in the world. So those are all part of, you know, the, the universal human psyche. So these, these four goals of life, I think, are an expression of that. Um, and then, as I mentioned, you know, they're articulated in Vedic literature. They begin to have some articulation, as I understand it, in the Dharma um, Shastras. Um, and, you know, they're mentioned in Mahabharata and, and other, other uh, Vedic literature. Um, but they didn't, you know, arise as a clear set, <laughs> like, okay, this is what it is. This is how it works. Like everything else that is real, and this is one of the things I love about Hinduism, is it is a living, growing, all-embracing tradition, you know, just like we find with yoga. You know, there's so many ways to approach yoga, right? Mm -hmm. Through devotion, through wisdom, through service. It's the same thing with these ways of life and the way um, they unfolded over time. And I want to say they're still unfolding today. And so we, we can talk, we can talk more about that. You mentioned the four stages of life, and I'm imagining that there are goals then for each of the uh, four stages. So would you talk a little bit more about that? Well, again, you know, I just want to point to saying that the central goal is dharmic living. And so this is a system that looks at natural stages of human life um, and how, want, how they can relate to Dharma, you know, how they can relate to spiritually awakened living. And over time, you know, then tasks um, became part of that focus. Um, so we look at, you know, the student stage, the stage of um, you know, learning about dharma, learning about ethics, um, learning about life itself. Um, and this was a stage of life early on in the Vedic model that, that wasn't necessarily associated with uh, the adolescent time of being a student. Mm -hmm. But after one had had initial um, time of instruction in life, then this was one of the four paths that could be chosen. So it's kind of, as I understand it, that that's another way it has evolved. So first, it was a system of four different paths of life. You know, one could choose this celibate path of study and reflection. One could choose the householder path. One could choose the renunciate path and so on. And then later on, the system seemed to have more of a sense of one flowing from the next, mm -hmm. you know, so that one is a student, you know, one is a householder, one retires, one moves completely into sannyas or renunciation. And I think where we are in the world today is that we've ended up with both, you know, both and. In other words, that, you know, there are those who their whole life is spent in the householder context. There are those who early on in life choose the path of uh, celibate renunciation. And the main thing about this system is, is that it's a way of saying that any path 
and this is what I mean about the reference to yoga and Hinduism, any path can be a path to God. Any of these four paths can be a path of liberation, can be a path of God. Um, so back to the goals. So if we look at them, you know, individually and, and distinct from one another, then early on is the time of learning, um, student stage, and specifically learning about ethics and spiritual principles and how to live in accordance with Dharma. And the householder stage, you know, is um, fulfilling your duties and responsibilities, you know, learning how to thrive and prosper and how to support others, how to engage in civic uh, and social responsibilities, family responsibilities. And that particular ashrama, that particular um, life stage has always been considered central, like the most important <laughs> because it supports all the other stages. So, um, you know, one of the things I like about the system is that somehow people, at least in the mindset that I see in the Western world and with regard to spirituality, you know, there's an idea that somehow if you could be a Swami or a monk or a nun, you would be more spiritually evolved. But the early Vedic texts really argue that the life of the householder is the most evolved because mm -hmm. they're, they're the pillar of uh, spiritual strength. Um, they like the sacred fires. You know, the rishis uh, were um, householders. Um, so, uh, and then the life, the vanaprastha, the, the life of the hermitage is, you know, what we equate with retirement, but it has to do with um, simplifying your life and having time for a stronger focus on spiritual practice and uh, and mentorship, you know, coming to be an elder, you know, in the, in, in the family, in the community. And then the sannyas, the time of renunciation is becoming supremely free where you're no longer building, starting, but, you know, completing and um, preparing really for departure from this world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is um, a way that I had not thought about these before in that it can, each can be a, its own path. And then there also, you can look at it at these stages. So I really appreciated the both and uh, mm -hmm. that, that you mentioned. Um, I've also heard you describe the third stage of life as the forest dweller stage, which was a, a term that was meaningful uh, to me. And you, you use uh, the term hermitage, which also you know, totally makes sense. Um, did you want to mention anything about that forest dweller uh, idea? What I liked was when you talked about it before, it was sort of like you were, you were, you could, you were on the edge of the forest where you could sort of see the town and, you know, see that life and perhaps participate in it somewhat, but also, you know, there's the deeper part of the forest that's, you know, that's calling as well. Yeah. Um, well, the forest dweller, of course, the Vanaprastha, that's a forest dweller is a, you know, trans, English translation of that, but, you know, it has to do with um, moving out of the householder stage into a hermitage or hermit existence, right? But again, as I described it, you know, for many in the Western world, it is um, it is a time of simplifying our life 
and living in a sense maybe a natural life that's represented by the forest and um I think that thematically, you know, um, as it relates to retirement, it really has to do with spiritual focus and, you know, often the, the these four stages of life in, um, in Vedic literature are, are called ashramas, the four ashramas. And, you know, that so it kind of starts with that. Well, what is an ashram? You know, it is a place, but it is a stage of life. So it's a place of spiritual focus, a, a place of spiritual striving, a place of freedom from worldliness. And so in this time in the third stage of life as a forest dweller, it, it, it really... Um, helps us, I think, to have that image that there's a shift from um, building a bigger house, you know, getting more cars or more things and thinking of life in a hermitage, which is simple so that the focus can be on what is most important. So, you know, and, and and I'll just say one other thing, because, of course, I'm in this stage of life myself. And, well, not exactly in it. You know, as you mentioned, kind of like on the edge of the forest, which is how I came up with that thought that, you know, these stages, as I discovered, are not distinct right. in our life. You know, just like uh, the dawn of every day and the, the dusk period or the time between the seasons, um, you know, is, is what in Sanskrit would be called sandhya. You know, there's this transitional time. And so, you know, if you're in householder stage and you're moving towards the vanaprastha forest dweller stage, there's a period where you're kind of in neither and you're preparing yourself, you know, to move from one to the other. But I find the articulated structure here to be so helpful, so meaningful um, in terms, you know, those of us who are on a spiritual path. So what does it mean to move through different stages of life in accordance with our Dharma and Swadharma? Um, how does that support us? Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. you know, some people spend that whole time like not moving from one to the other. <laughs> they just <laughs> stay stuck. You know, they don't know how to retire. You know, they do. They take some trips. You know, um, maybe buy a boat. You know, who knows? Right. But there's not a container for what that time of life, the potential of that time of life as a time for spiritual development is so ripe. And it's so exciting when we think of it in that way, because in the in the Western, quote unquote, retirement model, you know, there's a there's a sense that somehow the meaning in your life has now fallen away. You know, you're no longer um, the, the center of family life. You know, if you have had children by this time, likely they have their own children. 
and um, you're, you know, you're grandparent, but you're, you're not in that central role you're in, and you're finished with your vocation in the world, so you don't have that identity. Right. So it's really a time of uh, shifting identity, and that time is so ripe for, you know, the central question of the spiritual life, which is, who am I? Right. <laughs> what am I? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in uh, preparation for this conversation, our team, in particular, Anne Hayes, uh, did some looking around to see uh, whether there were teachings from other spiritual traditions that went along with these different stages of life. So one reference that she found was a, a book by Father Richard Rohr, the Catholic theologian and teacher. His book is called Falling Upward, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life. And in it, Father Rohr writes, the task of the first half of life is to create a proper container for one's life and answer the first essential questions. What makes me significant? How can I support myself? And who will go with me? The task of the second half of life is quite simply to find the actual contents that this container was meant to hold and deliver. As Mary Oliver puts it, what is it you plan to do with, with your one wild and precious life? In other words, the container is not an end in itself, but exists for the sake of your deeper and fullest life, which you largely do not know about yourself. Far too many people just keep doing repair work on the container itself and never, quote, throw their nets into the deep, unquote. Oh, to bring in the huge catch that awaits them. So I love this idea of this container and then this contents. And he was the one when I read it, I sort of stressed those two words and he actually italicized those in, in his writing. So the first half of life being about building this container and the second about building the contents. Did you want to comment any about, about, that, uh, about that quote, about the second half of life being about finding the contents of the container that you have built in the earlier stage of your life? I think it's lovely and I, I greatly respect Father Rohr's work. Um, I think in the Hindu system, the Vedic system, you would, you would find, you know, some parallels with, of course, the building that takes place in the householder stage. Um, but I probably would say that the, that this, if we want to call it the second half, um, is more about emptying out the contents. All <laughs> <laughs> right. right, you know, um, and and I would say that all through the ashrama system, these these four um, Vedic stages of life, the central question is, what does it serve? Mm. And that again comes back to Dharma. So this is the Dharmic system. You know, it, it, it's, it's a way of life. You know, I think first it was observed as a way of life and it became incorporated into the religious spiritual context and, and named and codified. And, you know, as I said, it, I think it's still kind of moving around, but, um, but the central factor 
is that every stage is about dharma. Every stage is about living with higher purpose. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not about discovering your higher purpose once you get to stage three, although mm -hmm. you know that may happen for people. But ideally, if you're moving through the stages of life, you learn about dharma at an early age. And, you know, that's the purpose of that first stage. And then your, you know, understanding Dharma brings so much meaning to the householder stage. You know, I find that people who are living householder life, you know, with work and career and family and responsibility without a sense of Dharma, without a sense of higher purpose, um, it becomes a very... Um, burdensome life mm. you know people are working too hard trying to accomplish something that in the end um they don't take with them <laughs> so right. dharma um brings in this right focus of well, what are we doing in that householder stage of life you know, we're learning how to live skillfully in the world in accordance with higher purpose, um, as opposed to building something um, without that context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have posed the query, what if our powers increase rather than diminish as we age? Suppose the later years of life were destined to be your most vital. This is an interesting idea for me to reflect on since our American culture really views aging as something to be avoided at all costs, particularly any physical signs of aging. There's an incredible amount of marketing for things that will make us look younger and feel younger. Would you say more about how our later years can be our most vital? Well, this system is a great support for that. And I've, you know, I've been teaching about it for a few years. And, um, and when I do, one of the things I notice is that people who are in the later stages of life, you know, uh, light up. <laughs> they just light up, you know, thinking about, oh, you know, I'm not in a in an age of decline. And in a sense, I'm in an age of ascent, you know, that has to do with um, the great goal of life, which is enlightenment or awakening fully in this lifetime. So you see this third stage of life as absolutely crucial to your spiritual purpose. And that in and of itself is such a great help for focusing our life in the right way. You know, people get confused in the third stage. You know, sometimes I see people like turn back and it's yeah. like, oh, you know, I always wanted um, a five bedroom house. It was my dream house. And even though the kids are gone, you know, now I have the resources, I can do that. But but then they discover, you know, that they now have a three story house and, and the body does not want to walk up the stairs. Okay. So, you know, having a purpose for life that is not about fulfilling desires, except, you know, that ultimate desire for liberation um, just has um, people light up. So just the very knowledge that that 
is the goal and the possibility helps people have a sense of their innate soul power. And it really has to do with not allowing yourself to be distracted from that. Mm. Um, that, you know, that power is within you. So if you don't come to the third stage of life, you know, thinking about how can you fulfill your bucket list of all the desires that you haven't filled, you know, ask yourself, do these things really matter in, in accordance of, with the great goal that I have? Right. And you will find, you know, your spiritual awareness and your spiritual powers will increase with your focus. Mm -hmm. um, there's also an interesting teaching about the correlation between um, the stages of life and the goal uh, and, and the goals of life. So um, the goals of life, you know, Dharma, living with higher purpose, Arta, learning how to thrive and to uh, serve, um, to give, and um, Kama, uh, learning how to um, experience joy in life and pleasure enjoying life and then moksha you know um, moksha freedom so if you look at the stages you know you look at um, the student stage from charya connected with dharma um, learning to live with higher purpose that that makes sense and then arta learning how to thrive and prosper and how to give um, you know how how to um, contribute to life that you know, connects up with householder. And then you get to the third stage, this monoprosta stage, this elder stage, where it's connected with pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, how does that work? You know, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? To contemplate. And then, you know, we can think, oh yeah, you know, moksha, you know, uh, ultimate liberation connected with sannyas, that fits. But here's this little puzzle piece about pleasure and third stage of life, you know, and perhaps some people will say, hey, you know, I'm free of responsibilities now, I can have a lot of pleasure, I can get my RV, I can head out and go where I want, you know, that's pleasing, that's pleasure. But, you know, I've looked at it like, what are the potentials of that? And I think, you know, especially, you know, if you, <laughs> if, if you're in an aging body, you know that there are certain demands that the body makes as we get older. And also that um, there's a shift in the way that we desire things. There's um, kind of sometimes like a fading of sensory capacity, you know, hearing loss, eyesight changes, you know, those kinds of things. So, okay, so how is that connected with pleasure? Well, you know, um, it, I think it has to do with our ability to see that life in this body is, doesn't last long. And so, and we really see it in the third stage. And so life becomes much more precious to us. 
you know, we've seen, you know, if you've been a householder and you've seen your children grow and grandchildren come along, you start to feel your own sense of mortality, you know, and there's certain in the literature, there's certain signs, you know, that you're in third stage, like your hair, you know, turns this color of mine, or you get some wrinkles or you have a grandchild and pretty soon those, those, you know, those things start to add up. And, um, so I think there is a clearer insight into how fleeting time is than this incarnation is. And so things become much more precious to us because we know it's not solid. So we enjoy them. We want to enjoy them more fully. Time with our, our children is different, you know, when we're not, you know, trying to control them and we're just appreciating them. Right. And and then I think there's also um, that same insight into, you know, sense pleasure. We, we see how that is fleeting and we have the capacity to see into the, the deeper sense of joy and beauty. There's all these divine qualities, um, you know, coming right from the soul that experiencing the deep joys of life so I think it's absolutely true and I find it really exciting <laughs> that's great just take a moment here as a reminder I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo host and producer of the yoga hour today I'm here with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien teaches Kriya Yoga and is the founder and spiritual director of this program you can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien's many books teaching programs you can read her blog posts and watch her teaching videos at her author website, ellengraceobrien.com. And again, O'Brien is with an A, O-B-R-I-A-N.com. Also at csecenter.org. We will be posting these links to her websites on our website, theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via that website, theyogahour.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. <clears throat> Yogacharya O'Brien, you were mentioning um, you were mentioning retirement and how sometimes that's a really challenging uh, time for people. And I, I certainly know several of my friends have have struggled, you know, with this transition of a loss of an identity, and even just I think perhaps to avoid that, you know, feeling that you know sense of loss or allowing something new to you know to bloom. Um, they may even go back to work <laughs> in like a different capacity. So um, anyway, I think that that's just really a, an interesting thing. And I, and I think putting it in the context of, first of all, dharmic living, living with a higher purpose, and also what you were just talking about, the association of the pleasure of really appreciating much more deeply the, the fleeting nature of, of life is a way to put it in a, it, you know, put your feelings about that in a totally different, um, you know, direction, which it, it's great. It, it's really um, inspiring. I, I am also inspired, you know, by what you said. I think sometimes people have a failure of imagination. So can you provide some examples of how this stage of life, this third stage of life, the, the um, uh, forest dweller stage that we were talking about, might look and one of the things that I know you mentioned already was mentor being a mentor. Yeah, and the, of course the emphasis really is on um, deepening spiritual study and practice. 
And so um, it's a time for disciplined living, um, disciplining yourself to learn how to really um, be in touch with the soul's joy. So going back to it as a time that it has to do with pleasure, if you think of it as higher pleasure. Um, I can say for me that it's really a time of being called, you know, to even though spiritual practice has been, you know, the center point of my life for decades, now I feel even a deeper call. But my calling has to do with discovering more and more, you know, what um, what connects me with with the soul's joy and with aliveness. And it's an opportunity for us to kind of go back to what we've studied and learned. Or, you know, if you're new and, and you're just at this stage of life and you're just discovering it, you know, dive in and, and get nurtured. Um, but it's also a time for kind of revisiting, you know, what you study in yoga and looking at, um, you know, how that applies to this stage of life. You know, I mentioned in every stage, the central question is, who am I? In every stage, we look at, you know, the obstacles to, you know, absolute freedom, you know, it, whether it's ignorance or desire or aversion or clinging to life. So we look at those, you know, at this stage of life as well. And, and it kind of sheds new light on, on these teachings, you know, that we may have studied previously, or like I said, if you're new to them, it'll be a whole opening to, wow, this time in my life is filled, you know, with this possibility. So I think it looks different for every person. And, you know, and maybe um, I'll just read this uh, excerpt from um, this version of the Mahabharata, an inquiry into the human condition that was um, put together by Chaturvedi Badrinath. And here, <clears throat> he's writing about renunciation. You know, so we think of this third stage as a time of preparing for the ultimate renun renunciation. <clears throat> and he's saying, um, you know, we hear a lot about renunciation in the Mahabharata, the great epic of Hinduism. Um, it's full with that sound of renunciation. Renounce this, <laughs> renounce that, leave this, leave that. Uh, leading to a completely wrong understanding of what moksha or human freedom truly is. External renunciation is no path to moksha. So again, you know, when you're asking, well, what does it look like? That's what I'm trying to address here. Um, neither is a withdrawal from family and its bonds mm. on principle, any part of human freedom, if moksha is properly understood. The Mahabharata is full with the sound of the freedom of the mind, mm -hmm. for it is the mind and not in the external things of the world that both bondage and freedom lie. Then he quotes a, a verse from the Mahabharata. Neither is moksha in lack, <clears throat> excuse me, in lack of possessions, nor is bondage in possessions, mm -hmm. whether it is one or the other having or not having it is knowledge that sets one free uh -huh. so that's what you know that's why i say this stage of life is time for 
sadhana, you know, time to explore um, the truth about life and what you are. <clears throat> that was very helpful. Thank you. Mm. The, in yoga philosophy, there are, are described five primary <clears throat> obstacles to spiritual realization. <clears throat> five are ignorance, egoism, attachment, aversion, and the fear of death. You have written about this uh, third stage of life that these five obstacles take on a new significance at this stage of life. Ignorance, egoism, attachment, aversion, and fear of death. Would you <coughs> a little bit more perhaps about the obstacles themselves and then how they take on a new significance at this stage of life? Yeah, I had to just refer to that a little bit earlier. Um, you know, the, the ground of the obstacles, of course, you know, avidya, our ignorance of what we really are as spiritual beings, you know, the, the mistaken identification of what we are as the body-mind. So I like to say, you know, as you age, <laughs> that, that identification of yourself as the body um, begins to loosen. You know, because we've seen the body go through so many stages, because we see um, death on the horizon, um, we, we, that becomes a little looser in terms of, you know, wait a minute, I'm not this body. And I often joke that, you know, at a certain stage, you look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, who am I, right? You know, because <laughs> you don't, you don't appear like, you know you you were in your youth so it's obvious that the body changes you know so it's really the mind where you know we we have to work with this um idea that somehow that our that life ceases with the end of the body and you know it's a compelling thought right when you can see the end of the body coming so that's what i mean it takes on new significance we're thinking wow you know, what does last, you know, you know, and if there is immortality, you know, where is it and how do I know it? And of course, the yoga teachings are that, you know, you, you are that ultimate reality, which is unchanging, it isn't born, it doesn't die, you know, so it's time for us to really to get that if we haven't so far. Um, but I think that, that life is perfectly arranged, you know, aging is a perfect thing for us to really um, want to know uh, about what we really are and um, what the nature of life, the nature of reality is. So the dispelling of that uh, primal error that is a mistaken identification, um, ignorance of the true self that gives rise then to egoism and and again you know this sense of separate self and separate self identity you know throughout our life we have lots of props that we've attached to who we have thought that we are you know and that's why retirement you know is such a crisis for people you know, if they're really identified with their roles in life is very painful. I've seen it with a lot of people, you know, that somehow um, they're diminished, you know, and our culture is big, you know, on diminishing elders and, you know, um, 
so thankfully there are people who are now, you know, calling out the prejudice of ageism, which is helpful. And we're starting to recognize it. And um, so, you know, in the retreat, you know, I'll talk about that and ways for us to um, be aware of that. And, you know, not only in terms of how we get it culturally, but how we give it to ourselves. Mm. Um, and that has to do with that identification um, with the physical body, with the things that we do, with the roles that we play, that our spiritual life has us um, look at with, you know, new light, new realization. So definitely we get a new take on that one. And then our, you know, our attachments and our aversions, what we want, what we don't want. Wow. You know, <laughs> I know so many people in third stage of life that you're, you're at a place where, you know, at least living in the West where you've accumulated a lot of things that, they're not useful to you anymore. You know, I mean, in a simple sense, you know, in my life as a householder, there were times literally when we would have 15 or 20 people for a holiday dinner. And I have these sets of, sets of dishes for all those people, but I don't have, I don't do that anymore. Right. And so, but you know, those dishes belong to my mother, belong to my grandmother. And now the kids don't want them. Right. And so, so, so I have to deal with my attachment to this, wherever they came from. And, you know, this is this wonderful work. And if we could see it in a spiritual context, I think it's really supportive of the, at the task level of what we need to do, but also the philosophical level of what's really important, you know, to us in life. And then this last stage, you know, of Vinivesha, this fear of death, of course, is is right there. And, um, and you talked about uh, earlier on in the program about people avoiding that, you know, moving uh, into the retirement stage or third stage of life and looking at the um, end of life stage as something they want to avoid. But in this model, end of life stage is looked at as the stage of absolute freedom okay. and absolute joy. And so, wow, what a difference, right? And so this, this abhinivesha, this clinging to life also can be a clinging to your last stage of life. And that can happen in any of them. You know, now we see, um, you know, those uh, uh, young adults in student stage, you know, who are clinging to being in student stage and not moving into householder stage, you know, they're still living with their parents as students. And, you know, there's some struggle going on there. Um, and then we see, you know, in retirement stage, as you mentioned, you know, people not knowing how to conclude and just kind of carrying on in that stage. But there is, as I mentioned before, and I think it, it helps to hold that, that there's this sanjya, there's this time when you're between. And so it makes perfect sense to me, you know, that people come to the retirement stage and then they're, maybe they're volunteering or they're doing some forms of activity still, um, like they're kind of winding down that period of life, as long as it is a winding down and not a winding up, yeah. because I've not seen anybody wind up very successfully uh, 
in that way. So, um, yeah. So those, those obstacles in life certainly take on new meaning and, um, and they can be so supportive in the third stage of looking at how do I live a dharmic life? How do I live a spiritually conscious life? Um, how do I prepare myself for aging and for eventual departure um, from this life, from this body? Yeah. And, you know, we want to be debt free. Right? <laughs> we want to be debt free, you know, both in terms of our financial life, possibly, but also karmic debt. So, yeah, it's an exciting stage of life. Absolutely. As you've already mentioned, our body really changes as we grow older and we realize we may realize that we can't ignore our bodies like we were able to when we were younger what kinds of self-care practices would you recommend to enhance our vitality as we age well you know i like to sort of point back to that the potential for um bonaprasta forced real age and comma having a special relationship so, you know, if we pay attention to what brings us joy, it's kind of like a, an elder um, prachahara, you know, prachahara learning how to um, manage the senses um, is critical in any time of yoga practice, but we can think of it in this stage of life as learning how to monitor our energy you know what what lifts us up and what pulls us down you know what contributes to greater freedom um, greater joy um, what contributes to more bondage and uh, restriction and fatigue and pulls us down so you know we have this innate uh, body mind wisdom you know that we can tune into so i think you know tuning into like a prachahara practice what is bringing energy what is taking it away and you know there's so many areas that we look at that we'll be looking at at the retreat which is you know uh, what about your diet you know what about exercise um you know if you're in married life you know, what about sex? How does that change? You know, I'm not going to give a treatise on that, but this is, you know, <laughs> I was going to sign up. <laughs> this is, you know, things change as the body changes and in life changes. So if we know that, you know, we can approach it consciously and again, dharmically, like how does it serve our higher purpose? Mm -hmm. Wow. Beautiful. That's great advice. Unbelievably, we're at the last question. So in closing, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to share with our listeners? Now, the thing that comes to me is, is something that you know, has always been part of my spiritual path and practice, which is kind of an imperative to fall in love with your life mm. at whatever stage you're in, um, because God is your life. You know, God is right where you are. Liberation is right where you are. 
self-realization is right where you are. So falling in love with your life, living your life fully and consciously and dharmically, you know, is the path um, of yoga, of, of uh, ultimate freedom. So whatever stage of life you're in, fall in love with it and, and live it with higher purpose and you will find, you know, a life of joy. Such great advice. And with that, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the Yoga Hour. My guest today has been Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. The other one is the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, csecenter.org where there are many resources to learn more about and to study with Yogacharya. Again, these links will be posted on our website, theyogahour.com. Regarding the workshop that we've been mentioning, please join Yogacharya O'Brien for her Thriving in the Third Stage of Life retreat, which begins on Thursday evening, October 6th through Saturday afternoon, October 8th, 2022. This retreat will be offered either online or in person. You can register at csecenter.org. You'll see the program listed at the bottom of the homepage. Thank and you. So I, I do want to say that it's recommended for those who are age 50 and above. Wow. Um, so you may still be in, you know, firmly in the householder stage at that point, and that's okay, but you're looking towards Bonaparte. So, um, you know, and that's just a guide as a guide point. Somebody might be 48 and think this is for me. So if you think it's for you, you know, you're, you're totally, totally welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yogacharya, for joining me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. And thanks again to the Yoga Hour team, to the Yoga Hour podcast for continuing to shine such a bright light on the profound riches of yoga for leading a spiritually conscious life. For listeners, we hope you'll join us for the many programs offered by the sponsor of this program, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. Currently, there are many times during the week you can meditate with us um, daily online morning meditation at 6.30 a.m. This is all in Pacific time, also in the afternoon at 4 p.m. and on Monday evenings at 7.30 p.m. There's also a Sunday satsang. A satsang is a gathering of truth seekers that happens at 10 a.m. Pacific time each Sunday. Join us next time on the Yoga Hour when my guest will be Chris Johnstone. He is the co-author with Joanna Macy of the book Active Hope how to face the mess we're in with unexpected resilience and creative power. We will be discussing how we can nurture hope and then make a difference in the world. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director, and my guest today, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers Anne Hayes, Mickey Coronado, and Christine Sote. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now.